another wise and insightful podcast provided to you here um, from the basis of my spare bedroom and what looks like Jolon's childhood bedroom with toys and uh, episodes of Harry Potter or something behind him. Um, yeah. I think you'll find, Claire, this is my very apt, considering the guest that we've got on tonight, uh, Puck from the Centennial Classic, the Toronto-Detroit Puck that uh, was from the outdoor classic. Oh, and yeah, how incredible. It's such a beautiful week to be a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. And we have to say that doesn't happen very often. Uh, but week one is dusted off. I'll just dust my shoulders uh, there. Uh, week one is done uh, of the NHL 2021 season. Who fared well? Who didn't? Which teams are clawing for their spot in this year's playoffs? We're looking at the magic fourth place, particularly today, and a bunch of other things. But first, we'll play you some tunes and then we'll tell you what the heck we're going to get into. So, um, Ozzy Adams on today. Uh, it's incredibly early where you are. While we're like rounding off the end of our day, the moon is outside and, you know, the frost is setting. Ozzy Adam, what time is it and how hot is it in the Sunshine Coast right now? Good morning, guys. Um, the moon's actually still out here because it's 5.30 oh. um, am and it's literally the first day of work me this year so it's like perfect timing um <laughs> starting starting so, the week off strong oh man i'm gonna rock up and i already know my, my boss is gonna be like great to see you all refreshed and i'll be the last one there i'll be in the front row just oh, let's go let's get started no what, like, what weird, have you been doing oh like real work i promise like a weird time of the day 5 30 a.m to talk about hockey and it's not a playoff game when you've stayed up all night to watch a West Coast team. That's the only reason I'm right. talking about hockey at 5.30 a.m. Um, but well, the Red Wings game yesterday was at 12 p.m. Detroit time, which is a really weird puck drop time. So that was 4 a.m. our time. So it kind of worked that way. And it was just the third game of the season. So there's all these random times that teams are playing to get all the games in. So... It's the first game I didn't get up to watch. So I know we've talked about this before when we had you on way back when, Adam, but just because I can't work out the time difference to Australia, it blows my mind. Um, are the NHL games at a decent time? I'm assuming they're not, but maybe they are. No, no, they're good. At the, well, they're good because I was on holidays, but most of them, the slate pretty much kicks off at 10.30am. So we've got games at 10.30, <laughs> 11, 11.30, one. 130 is pretty much the latest the games will be. What? That's so, brilliant. That's amazing. It's been good. It's been good because I've been on holidays, but as soon as work starts today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, it's good. So if, if they start at any time in the afternoon over there, or like 7 p.m. works out at about, yeah, 130-ish in the afternoon. Right. So that's I mean, brilliant. It's, 
It's crazy, isn't it? Because we've been talking about how in the UK, um, a lot of the games here are split um, between BT Sports, NHL TV, um, even Free Sports are put in on a Toronto game. Someone told me earlier, Free Sports TV channel. Um, they seem to be very split. And we've actually noticed even BBC Sport on their website which we, I don't know whether I'd never even noticed. Maybe they have been doing it. Maybe they haven't. But I looked on it today and they're, and they're sharing the results and the fixtures. There's no video on there. There's no articles. And, but it seems to be like, I don't know whether because it's lockdown or people are hungry for sports and entertainment. But in the UK, there's a lot more noise about it. There's a lot more choice. Unfortunately, it means that you've got to have more subscriptions. There's more blackouts, yeah. which is a bit of a bum. And also with the, the BBC Sport website used to be my go-to safe space to go when I, would, when I was waiting to find out a Toronto result and I was trying to keep away from it. But I wanted to find out what other sport things were going on. So I wouldn't go on Twitter. I obviously wouldn't go just on Online generally, but I would go onto the BBC Sport app because they never had any NHL coverage. I knew I wasn't going to get a plot spoiler because even Sky Sports News ticker tape the NHL um, results over here. So BBC Sport was my safe space, but now it's ruined. Yeah. <laughs> Damn you, BBC. That's like Fox Sports over here. I can watch Fox Sports all day and there won't be one NHL update. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the safe space is ruined. It's gone. It's gone. Mm. Yeah, so... Uh well, all right, so here's some of the things that we're, are on our agenda, which we're going to run through over the next hour or so. Uh, we're going to learn why are San Jose Sharks homeless, something we didn't know, but a fan who's of the West Division contacted us. Uh, who's Flyers reporter Mike? Um, and also oh, yeah. we're talking ice tracker, oh, yeah. games of note, and uh, I've been going through all four divisions and looking at um, if you're a, a subscriber to the athletic, if you're not, it's definitely worth checking out, but they uh, have put together a list of um, Stanley cup playoffs uh, projected standings, which we're going to have a look at some of the teams that are kind of lingering around this. Will they be in? Will they be out um, fourth place uh, qualifier space? So, and, uh, and then also a question that came up um I shared it on our uh, Twitter account at NHL fans from afar. And um, it was from an article that the Toronto star published. And it was talking about the NBA star, Charles Barkley um, getting into this debate, which has been lingering. He's not the first person to say this, but they were asking the question about whether professional athletes should jump the queue for the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, we got some of your thoughts. We shared it on our Twitter account, so we'll read those. But just really interesting. I mean, he was saying about taxes and the fact that so many of these professional athletes pay su such substantial taxes that they should be given some preferential treatment. On the other side, there was people like Brian Burke, who's very well known in the NHL scene, uh, former GM, um, studio analyst now. Uh, and he was saying... Uh, if it actually meant that more American people would engage in the vaccine process um, because they'd seen their star, who they look up to in sports world, get a vaccine, then yes, he would say, go for it. So it, it, a really interesting one. And not just for NHL, is it? It's, it's something that's going to come up in all kinds of sports, but we'll, we'll get into that. First of all, we, we just have to enjoy this whilst we can, because I was looking at the figure... Adam of 2%. Okay. 2% mm -hmm. was the figure of um, 
the predicted chances of Detroit Red Wings chances to get in the playoffs. How do you oh, not even winning the Stanley Cup in Two, the playoffs. Two percent. Hey, can we start on a positive here? That's, <laughs> there is one. That's that's actually gone up by two percent since the start of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it has. It's um. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. I. Detroit fans knew going into this season, it, we're going to be horrible. I think um, Dom, talking about the athletic, Dom Lushneshnen, I can never pronounce his last Lushnishin. name. Lushnishin. Lushnishin, Lushnishin, thank yeah. you. Very much into his analytics, statistics, all that sort of stuff. Has multiple models that he did up. And he did one in the off-season looking at which NHL teams improve the most by wins in the off-season based on their moves, like uh, free agency trades, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Detroit blew every other team out of the park with regards to improvement on the ice that they did. Um, improved by 30 points, which would make us good enough for 31st. So <laughs> well, that's, I mean... that's how bad we were last year. Uh, you look at, we finished on what, 39 points and uh, Ottawa was 70 something. So not only have we improved, what, but we've improved almost need, enough though. to get second last. Oh, yeah, that's no, what, we've, the, we've looked actually uh, – well, Dom actually tweeted yesterday, Red Wings looking surprisingly competent. I'm like, yeah, that's what we're looking for. So, I mean, you've had, had uh, some good news in that you finally named Dylan Larkin your captain. I mean, oh, that was brilliant. Coming, right? He's such a yeah. franchise leader for you. I guess that the fans needed something to hope for and that you continue to build around him for your future. Yeah, um, Steve Eisenman's done a lot of awesome work since he's come in. I think he's already been voted in the top three GMs in the league and like he's been there for a year and a half. Uh, there's been a, a, a trending tab on Red Wings Twitter for like two years. Uh, give Darren Helm the C um, for all the people, all the Red Wings fans like sticking it to all the other Red Wings fans who want Lark in the C. Uh, I think the, there was rumours of the plan that nothing was going to get mentioned and then Dylan Larkin was going to skate out with the C on for the first game. But then that obviously didn't occur. Um, but yeah, it, it's huge news and typical ice hockey athlete style. His first press conference was just, yes, I'm very excited to be captain of a oh, no. original 16. Like, the per- pure personality you expect from an ice hockey player, but um, no. monotone, monotone. But this this type of player he is. We got Bobby Ryan this year from Ottawa on a one year contract, and he shot a message out to the boys asking, "Are there any good golf courses up here?" And the first person he get back to him was Dylan Larkin saying, "Yeah, no worries, mate. Um, I'll take you out. We got three others coming." So instead of just Pointing out, he got through the other players in the car and they all went up and played that day straight away. Um, yeah. No, no, we've had, a, we've had a good start to the season. Bobby Ryan scored our first goal. And then after the game, Chris um, Michael Keating said, why did you choose Detroit? And he said, all he said was Steve Eisenman. Yep. Yeah. 
we're, we're, need, we're heading in the right direction so i'm happy you need you need players like that because in those rebuilds when you want a bunch of kids and a couple of veterans who aren't going to be around for the time when you're good you do need at least one or two of those players who you stick a c or an a on their jersey and say you guys are going to be with us throughout this and you're going to see us through this bad bit and it's going to be bad but then in three or four years' time, you are going to be a cornerstone of this franchise. I mean, in true myself style, I'll link it back to the Leafs. Morgan yeah. Riley is that exact player who, you know, the 15-16 Leafs, there is very few of them left now who weren't either kids who were not very good at the time or veterans who've since left. But he is the one now with an A on his chest who has been through that whole entire time. And I, it's it's a hugely important part of that rebuilding process because you can't just have kids and you can't just have veterans on one-year contracts. You need somebody for the fans to latch onto and the team to latch onto and to have an identity. And Dylan Larkin getting the C, you would imagine he's going to be the guy who's going to, you would hope, stick with the franchise throughout. Yeah, he he definitely will. He's a Michigan boy as well. He's the first, he's only the second US player to be captain of the Red Wings. And uh, yeah, First from Michigan, and it's funny you mentioned that with the A's, the alternate captains. Both of them won't, most likely won't be there um, when we get good. So we've only got two players under contract um, for 2023, which is Larkin and Mantha huh. out of 30. So we've brought – we've got 10 unrestricted free agents at the end of this year. So the better they play this year, the better trade value they'll have. So we want Bobby Ryan to keep – score and he scored all three of our goal or three of our four goals so far um yeah all the guys we brought in were based on the idea help us through this year and we'll try and flip them at the deadline for more picks and prospects and yeah keep going that way hence for why most we brought teams, on that stall yeah for most teams that's a terrifying prospect not having um any players signed beyond 2023 mm-hmm. but but the fact that you've got you know the two players that you have got are larkin and mantha they are the right players to have signed beyond 2023. Yeah. And then the rest of it, with a GM like Steve Eisenman, I would be very, very happy if I was a Red Wings oh, fan yeah. and going through this rebuild. Because you think the worst thing, and so many franchises have fallen for this, so many franchises, particularly like the Red Wings, who've got this incredible legacy of playoff runs, the reason why they get there is because they sign terrible long contracts, which are fine for years one and two, but for years five, six, and seven are brutal. And yet the Red Wings have managed to get out of all of them and you know, or most of them. And most of. if that if that is the case, by twenty twenty three, happy day. Now we got we got forty six million in cap space for next year for free agents at the moment. So um there's already talk like flipping Mantha for Pierre Luc Dubois from Columbus, because he yeah. wants out of Columbus. Um Steve Eisenman's one of the few GMs that would pull a trigger on something like that. So it's, it's going to be a really interesting season. Um, there's already differences on the ice. We were absolutely horrible the first two games against Carolina. Outshot 49 to 14 in the first game. Um, and only lost 3-0 because our goalies are actually pretty good tandem. Um, fighting. We'll come in the bottom five, I hope. Um, You've got nothing to lose, really. I mean, and, no. and the good thing is that you're not the only loser in your central. No, no. Are you? Because Chicago don't oh, really oh, have a better out. chance. I mean, when I looked at like your 
the central division, um, you know, the projected standings. What was interesting, I mean, Tampa Bay Lightning, Carolina Hurricanes are right up there, you know, in two of the four to go through. Um, it got a little bit more murky, I thought. Interesting between Dallas Stars and Nashville Predators. We're talking 68% and 60%. I mean, Florida Panthers are not too far behind 48%. But, you know, we're already kind of hearing of disruption. Like, Dallas are yet to play a game. Carolina Hurricanes game has been postponed uh, amidst, I mean, it looks like Pierre Lebrun saying that there is a COVID situation within Carolina Hurricanes. Um, so... I don't know. Columbus also, they had uh, they had to kind of put a few people on hold for practice. It almost seems like this is the league that's facing the biggest disruption so far. Interesting. And the Florida Panthers as well. I mean, they're another they're another kind of curveball in that because they've got you know the whole Keith Yandel story, which you might mention a bit later on, has been a, a fascinating kind of story going into the league. Bobrovsky hasn't trained yet, although he is now talking about starting tonight. Yeah. Uh, which makes me very happy as I put him in my fancy uh, hockey team. <laughs> and But they're a team that has really kind of gone through a huge turnover last year and loads of talk about how it's, you know, they want to make it hard to play in Florida and players have it too easy and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, Quenville there, he's not going to want to be a mediocre middle team. He's going to want to win. Mm. And so you've got a real kind of mixed bag of teams that are just, who knows what, is going to come out of there apart from as you say Claire those those top couple which are, you know should take the, the league no problem see Nashville are interesting um, I, didn't, I didn't know actually that Pecorine goalie um, it's just become a dad he's a new dad and so there's an interesting mm-hmm. article about how fatherhood has changed his outlook um, Philip Fursberg had a great start to the season but then they were questioning whether that was down to his uh, sexy moustache um, bringing him good luck I love a bit of facial hair news on this podcast. Always entertaining. Um, and and it seems to be that most teams, when I look at who did well, who didn't do well, most teams on average won two, lost one in the first week. I mean, some of the people that really didn't do great, as we just mentioned before, Chicago lost three. They played three, lost three. Um, Consistent. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah. The, the guys who, who did well, which uh, we thought would, would do well, Vegas have won all three of their games. Uh, Tampa have played two, won two. I mean, amazingly, that Tampa's top of the league right now, followed by Toronto. Who would have written that after week one? But then there's been some other games. If I look, say, like in the West Division. Now, this is the division where if you're listening and you're a fan of a team in the West Division, we really want to hear from you uh, because there's a lot of unknowns in this. Um, I think this is really where the fight for fourth is going to happen. Um, it looks like Colorado, Vegas, St. Louis Blues are all pretty much set to go through the playoffs. Really high percentage, like the lowest 89%. The fourth spot at the moment sits with Minnesota Wild, um, which I was quite surprised about, but I was reading in some articles, people have almost said that they are being gift-wrapped a playoff spot. Um, they have just signed a three-year extension um, with one of their key leaders in the team, Marcus uh, Foligno. Foligno. I never know how you say Foligno. Foligno. Yeah. The- Foligno. Foligno. <laughs> That's Foligno. how much we know about Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Foligno. One of, their, one of their star franchise players. Well, uh, F- exactly. Foligno. Fol- fol- what's his name? Fol- it's the same with Nick Foligno, Foligno though, every time. Foligno. 
this is how much we know about the West League people, right? But I then saw the other day that Colorado beat St. Louis Blues 8-0. Yeah. I mean, like, what? I watched both of those games to start. The first game of the year, like, the West Division, I was, to me, it was the easiest division to pick because those three are so far ahead. And I even had the top two ahead of St. Louis by a bit. Um, but mm. the first game, Colorado just, apart from Nathan McKinnon and Andre Bobrovsky, yeah, Bobrovsky, there you go, I did as well. They <laughs> kind of looked like they were just going to skate out and win. They didn't really have the push, the desire, and St. Louis beat them to every park. And then literally the night after, or sorry, two days after, they're like, you know what, we should probably start playing, eh? The season started. And that 8-0 game, it was nil all at the end of the first period. And yeah. then I think it was even only, what, 2-0, maybe 3-0 or something after the – no, 4-0 after the second period. Yeah, second period, yeah. they just dominated. And then I was like, yeah, this is Colorado. Um, Vegas, they've won their games. They haven't looked great. Um, they were versing, what, San, uh, Anaheim, and they beat them in a shootout um, or an overtime that, that, they've still got players to... They've lost Schmidt. They brought in Peter Angelo. Um, yeah. They lost Paul Statsny. Um, if you think about these, these that, teams... They'll be fine. Particularly early on, you've got to think that... I mean, this is still basically pre-season. Like, yeah. Yeah, mm. they've had such a short pre-season that any team looking a bit rusty and some funny results like Anaheim winning or, you know, any teams like that, Colorado losing one... I mean, on a normal regular season, we wouldn't even think twice about that. And I think the only reason why it's suddenly all kind of like shrunk is one, the fact that the season is obviously shorter. So mm. there is less room to, to make mistakes and drop games. But also a point that was made, which was really interesting, and I hadn't really thought about it really with the division realignment. Actually, every single point you're playing for is within your division. And so you lose a game and you basically are giving those points to somebody else somebody within else. your division who you are competing against directly. Whereas normally your teams Brilliant. are playing other ones who are like, who are just, you know, oh, I did. All right. We lost two points to them, but Hey, they're in the West and we're in the East. Doesn't really matter. But mm. every single game is like a four point game. And that yeah. is huge. I never, Love it. never even thought about that. It didn't click to me and when they talked about the division realignment and it was only really in that first game when I was thinking, do you know what, oh, sorry, the second game when they lost to the Sens, I'm like, God, that, I mean, that would normally hurt, but that also hurts like every single loss now is points going to your competitors. And how important is going to be those overtime wins, but also even just those getting games to overtime. Mm. Like Montreal and Toronto in the first game going to overtime. That means Montreal gets a point and Toronto gets two. All those other teams fighting for those playoff spots are going to be like, oh, for God's sake, Montreal get a point out of that. Yeah, it'd be really it's interesting gonna, near the end of the season, won't it? Yeah. yeah. It's going to really condense it down. And I think that's going to be huge for those teams, uh, even in this early stage when they're all fighting rust and they're all fighting the fact well, that they haven't played for God's You say that, that yeah, because you know, I brought this subject about San Jose Sharks that... Uh, you know, we, we didn't realise that essentially they're homeless at the moment. And that's because the county where they normally play, Santa Clara, Santa Clara. I would say, um, yeah. they, they've banned or they had banned anyway. I'm not sure the latest as in today mm. kind of update, but they had banned contact sports. 
Um, they'd also implemented, I think, if you came out of the county or 150 miles out of the county, you had to quarantine for 10 days. So basically, the San Jose Sharks had to say, we can't we can't do this. And they had to go and uproot their training camp um, or practice or something like that in December to Arizona, to Scottsdale. Um, they're on their first eight games are on the road. So that kind of solves that problem. But become come like the beginning of February, I think they've got two games against Vegas they still don't know where they're going to play and if we're talking about how so that's eight games plus two that's 10 games out of a 56 game season that you don't really know what's going on you're always away from your home and your family that's quite stressful I would imagine like added pressure on a team that really crashed and burned last year because of a lot of injuries we still don't really know where they're doing in terms of goalies I mean the one random thing which I know it's barely a few games we're talking like three games nobody can predict any kind of trends or anything from a sample size of three games but Thomas Hurtle is actually top of the league for total points he's got three three goals and three assists he's a good so hey good on Hurtle I think he was in my fantasy uh, last year (laughs) damn it he's interesting about moving I was going Adam I just had a look. Um, they before the season started, the NHL um, set the schedule for San Jose to start away because they knew they wouldn't be able to play in Santa Clara, and then they were hopefully going to be able to open their first home game on the first of Feb. And they were one of the few teams in the off season looking at playing their games in outdoor rinks all year um, mm-hmm. to allow for their for their games to be played, and that was shut down. Um, the most recent updates in Santa Clara. Uh, spare beds in ICU um, are at 0.7%. So pretty much every one of the hospitals is jam-packed. And so it's not looking like they'll be going back anytime soon. That was on the 11th of January. That's been the latest update where they met with Santa Clara officials. So they'll be playing their home games at an alternate site, um, whether that's in Scottsdale, Arizona, or whether it's somewhere else. They haven't said yet, but yeah, it's one of the things that, they just have to unfortunately deal with. Um, I don't think they'll be the only team this year. There's going to be, you're talking about the central before. I think any team going to call out the Southern parts of America here, Uh, (laughs) but the ones with less restrictions, Florida, Tampa Bay, Carolina, um, all those sort of teams in those sort of areas where the restrictions are just meh. This is going to happen through the, through the whole season, um, which, which which is the stall from Carolina, Eric, Mark, one of them. Yeah. Um, he was COVID positive after the series with Detroit. So then I was thinking, oh, man, does that mean one of the Detroit guys now have it or what? So I've been waiting to hear about that. And then he went into Carolina. That's probably where that started. It's going to happen all through the season. So but mm. NHL planned an extra week at the end of the season to catch up games. So I think when Dallas starts, they've got to play 56 games in 110 days. Wow. Right. To <laughs> yeah, get that's... their season complete. I mean, this has been going on a while in Santa Clara because the NFL team that I follow, the San Francisco 49ers play in Santa Clara and they, they had to move ironically also to Arizona and they played their home games there. And um, one of the, the players, I think it was, was interviewed about it. 
and he was saying that you know it's a huge upheaval because the one thing that you know the one thing that people are really valuing particularly if you are having to go out to work is that ability to being able to go home and spend time with the family now and they've not gone to bubble environments for that exact reason that players didn't want to go back into a bubble again and yet kind of that's what's going to happen to those teams I just wonder whether, you know, those other places in the States, it seems such a patchwork of, you know, COVID response that whether they'll ever get to a point where they kind of take it that seriously. Um, but I could definitely see it happening in Canada. You know, they're very, very strict rules. It was only a few days before the season that Toronto and Ottawa were allowed to confirm to play in their home stadiums. Mm, I mean, and Ontario at the moment are on uh, a national lockdown that came into yeah. place last week. But that's um, the kind of thing that's just going to, yeah, as you kind of said, Adam, as well, that's just going to be part of the season. And, you know, if the if the NHL gave, give themselves a week, well, if that's enough, that's enough. If it's not, they'll have to do two weeks. Like, they'll just have to, they'll just have to deal with it. And I think from all sports leagues that have gone through this winter, I think they've all had to just kind of take it and and go with what they what they can but yeah it's going to be a, a tricky one for, uh, for those Let, in charge let's just close down the the coronavirus talk like just by finishing with this this question you know that I, I kind of briefly introduced at the start about whether professional athletes should jump the queue for COVID-19 <laughs> vaccine I mean, nice you, little uh, nice little easy chat at the end of that segment I'll, Claire is it absolutely <laughs> Great segue. I mean, yeah just let's just kind of just pause on that. Have you guys got any strong feelings whilst I just kind of dig out what a couple of our uh, tweeters said to us? Go on, Adam. It's in, to me. It's a, it's a it's a lot deeper question than on the surface, and I think some pro athletes make it harder for other pro athletes. I'm using examples of the Australian Open tennis, which is meant to start soon, and Australia's been pretty good with um, corona numbers and we had five flights in a row of international tennis players coming to the country with coronavirus and then complaining about being locked down in hotels because of certain meals and crap like that. On the other side, we had the NRL comp last season become the first professional league in the world to get back to normal and they even hosted a worldwide Zoom chat with people like LeBron James, Steph Curry major players from all codes saying this is how we got back on track. Yeah. And they followed everything to a T. Now, looking at what their lives were like when they were in the bubble, they woke up, got in their own car, drove to training, got in their own car, came back. All their clothes were washed by other people in green zones, all this sort of stuff. They had no life except for home and training, but they followed it and it was sweet. We, in the public, we're inconvenienced, let's say. But there's very few of us who will say goodbye to their families, um, like the San Jose Sharks. And you might not see them for another two months, depending on what your work schedule's like. So if you put it into a normal person, I'm a teacher, if I say goodbye to my wife and kids, saying I've got to go teach and I don't see them for two months, that's a pretty big upheaval in my life and their lives. The other side for professional athletes, that their jobs impact millions of people. Coaches, um, physios, chefs, um, transport services, gambling agencies, TV networks. 
I can see from that point of view why there's an argument for athletes to get the vaccine earlier because their job, their life, their work impacts people all around the world. Hence why we've got a podcast right now talking about a pro sports league in Canada and the States. Yeah. If you're not a sports fan or have any interest in it, you'd look at that as a very selfish, why (laughs) these people put up on a pedestal sort of move, but they are on a pedestal. Their work life has much higher pressure, much higher impact on more people overall. Um, I can see an argument there. I can see an argument against. Yeah, what you're Honestly, saying. Personally, I I'm not bothered either way. Yeah, so, see, yeah. I'm just looking at Tom's. Um, Tom is Oilers fan, I want to say. Yeah. Tom is, yeah, uh, the Birmingham so. Oilers fan. He says... Um, Yes, they should be able to jump the queue. For many people, the continuation of sport has been a lifeline. It, there's yeah. something to look forward to through all this. It's really helped me through. I appreciate it's likely to be an unpopular opinion, but I support any move that helps this to remain the case. Um, you know, Rachel here saying elite sports people should not get it before essential workers. You know, and Claire yeah. here saying I see both sides of the argument. So. I mean, I think, a, yeah. I, I think there's, I mean, I almost feel like it needs to point out that I don't think, I don't think that you can talk about um, the kind of sacrifices. And I do find it a little bit difficult sometimes. And I understand what you're saying, Adam, about that, you know, there are sacrifices that, you know, going into a bubble for two months, that is, and that's not something that a lot of people have had to do. Some people have chosen to do things like that, but not a lot of people have done it. Um, but when I hear sports men and women um kind of complaining about uh, those kind of protocols i do my sympathy runs quite thin with it because i think well hang on a minute i can understand it's a, you know this is not ideal for you and you know this is tough but compared to some of the sacrifices that healthcare workers are making i don't know about in australia but certainly teachers in this country you know up until recently were you know, really up against it with kind of battling government guidelines and all this kind of stuff. And and there are some real kind of key people within the community who are currently going in there without a vaccine, without all of this kind of stuff. And I don't want to, you know, bring the podcast down in a, you know, into a miserable level, but I do feel like it's worth pointing out that if we are talking about athletes and professional sportsmen and women getting the vaccine before, you know, before me as a 20 something who has no underlying health conditions, then that, yeah, fine. I don't mind that, you know, because they do have more to give than I do. And I'll quite happily know that my sport teams can play and I can just stay in for a bit longer. No problem there. However, if we are talking about, you know, should they skip the queue in front of people who are in ICU units, as you said, in Santa Clara, who are working at point minus point, whatever bed usage, or in this country where we've got, you know, intensive care units overflowing, that can't even be a debate. Like that, it just can't. Because remember, back in the first lockdown for us, back in the spring, we lost sport. And we were all a bit miserable about it, and we all had to watch reruns of football games that we didn't really care about, but suddenly we did. Yet we got through. And people talk about the, you know, the mental health impact of of having things to watch and entertainment and all that kind of stuff, and that is all perfectly legitimate. However, drilling down, surely being able to, if you are ill, not just through COVID, through anything, if you are ill, getting the healthcare that you need 
surely that trumps all of that's a bad word to use these days but surely that trumps every kind of entertainment value and the final point on it is that we will get into some horrible debates if we get into this because there will be people who as you said adam don't like sport and they'll be like well why the hell not is the cast of greece not being given a vaccine because that would certainly lift my mood or you know why is it not this (laughs) or that entertainment and we will just get into this horrific kind of like culture battle. Who's better um, than who? Yeah. Exactly. And who's more important to the national welfare and all this kind of stuff, which is why I hope they just literally do it on age, health, all of that kind of stuff. And we just have to deal with impacted sport. Call me yeah. boring, but... I mean, no, no, I, I agree with that bit. The ICU, um, health, underlying health, uh, frontline workers... Um, obviously, yeah, first up, I, I was more comparing it to your, your run-of-the-mill, um, your average Joe sort of person um, who isn't affected quite like uh, how they are. And, yeah, the professional sports, the ones that are complaining about stuff like, I don't know if you guys have seen the video, viral video of Bernard Tomic's girlfriend complain. Oh, far out. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was disgustingly embarrassing. She had the nerve and the lack of intelligence um, to do a post from her hotel room complaining about quarantine that she's who, not going to wash her hair. No idea. Some bimbo-looking model, probably. <laughs> but she was complaining about the state of her hair and the fact that she's never washed her hair and she has people wash it for her, like the hairdressers, and that. The worst thing about quarantine is the state of her hair over two weeks. Wow. Because okay. she can't I think wash things her own like, hair. Th- things like, like this are you serious? Things like this have absolutely just show people's different views on the world and, and oh how people just, God. you know, the things that are important to people and how unrelatable they are to different people. Oh. And, yeah, I but I think, you know, having having sport, I will say, is a huge relief at the moment. And I hope that with all the protocols they put in place, we can get a season because i absolutely rely on it to get me through the days mm. at the moment <laughs> see my oh, opinion yeah. is i just don't i don't like the idea of classism i don't think that money yeah. should be able to buy your way into this so when charles barkley wades in saying oh you know we pay much more taxes yeah, no, than yeah. you, we should get some preferential treatment do one mate yeah, when I'm, you said I'm that I couldn't believe that because actually when I thought you brought up the argument, it was about like, you know, a bit like Adam was saying, like entertainment value and keeping morale of a country up, like, and ent- and keeping people inside. you like actually mean that there's oh, reasons yeah, that'd that people be stay inside. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. I'm like, I can, even if I don't agree with it, I can understand it. When you said that about how the fact that we pay more taxes, I was like, whoa, let's not go down that Exactly. <laughs> that is, that yeah. is messy. Okay. The only other thing to talk about coronavirus just to slip in, because I know, Jolon, we were meant to go to Switzerland last uh, oh, yeah. May. The IIHF, I uh, I always get the double letters. Double I, that's easy yeah. to say, yeah. yeah, yeah the yeah, World yeah. Champs is way yeah. easier. Um, yeah. Was meant to be held, uh, part of it yeah. in, in um, Belarus, part of it in Latvia. And actually yeah. they've come out and said May, June, like they, they're cancelling the stuff in Belarus because people there are not really taking coronavirus very seriously and a potentially a political unrest. It's not known whether the games will still go ahead in Latvia, but I would just say it's too early to even talk about that stuff. Yeah. It's a nice to have, but 
no disservice, but there are more important things happening in the world. Yeah. And I want NHL more than I want the world champs right now. And I'm sure the domestic leagues in Europe want to get started more than they need the world champs. Yeah. I found a really interesting thing. I was listening to a podcast the other day, a Canadian hockey podcast, and um, just comparing it to culture in this country. And uh, Eugene Melnick of the Ottawa Senators fame, oh. uh, the owner there, uh, released a, a statement oh, and a plan for how he was going to get, uh, I think it was about 6,000 fans back into Canadian Tire Centre uh, in Canada or wherever it so is. So capacity in, in for Canada. Ottawa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a full house, they could say. And uh, and he was he released this on the morning of the uh, well-trailed-ahead of announcement that uh, Ontario, as you said earlier, Claire, was going into this kind of big lockdown and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, Canadians on these podcasts and stuff that I was listening to were saying how that is going, going into a, a rink to watch a, an NHL hockey game is like so far down the list of priorities for them. And that is coming from Canadians. Like, that is their number one sport. That is why they live and breathe, is to watch NHL ice hockey. And yet, even they are in the mindset currently of, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, let's not worry about going back into arenas. Let's worry about all the other things. And it's, you know, it is, I suppose it's similar in this country, but we've had a little bit of a different response to going back to football matches, I guess, the national sport again over here with soccer. And and maybe it's because it's outdoors and all that kind of stuff, but there's a much more of a, an urge seemingly to go back. And it's just interesting how those different places, and you talk about, you know, when I read the statement about Belarus not, you know, the World Championships, I was more surprised that, what, the World Championship is going ahead, like <laughs> anywhere, Let, never mind just not in Belarus. How are they planning to go ahead in May? And you've got sporting events like the Olympics coming up this summer, postponed, and you think, I mean, if any big sporting event can do it it's probably the olympics with the backing and the money but you would think so i mean like bringing it back to nhl um the the fake crowd sounds i mean i find it hilarious yeah. when the commentators say oh yeah. the puck's in the crowd it even says it um on the game center like game sheet when you go through this is yeah. awesome thing I, i'd sent Jalen a message about it when you, um, let's say like you wake up the next day and you didn't have chance to watch the game live. So you go and watch the highlights. There's this cool thing called the ice tracker, which is on the NHL website. Go to scores, go to the game that you were looking at once you've seen the score, obviously. And then at the very bottom, it's got ice tracker and you can see all these kind of cool little graphics they've got as it takes you through like some of the plays and stuff like that. Anyway, and it also says puck in the crowd. I was like, really um but the thing that um i heard on a podcast this week they were talking about the whoever it is it could be a could be a woman could be a guy i don't know the sound person who gets to press in the crowd sounds and i guess it's also being played in the arenas as well so the players yeah. must hear it um but there was like one particular game where they were saying like there were a few penalties that weren't called and so the person on the sound was like pressing like the yeah. sound of the crowd going, whoa, like <laughs> what the hell? And I thought that was awesome. Like, I was thinking, that's so cool. That is a fun's dream. I was thinking that like it was the, it was the Sens Leafs game and it was like, I don't know, it was the second game of the season and the crowd sounded like it was like this game seven of the Stanley yeah. Cup final. <laughs> like it was like in the first period and there was this non-call penalty and I was like, Oh my God, it's like we're playing Boston in game seven all over again. Like I thought, fair play. If you've got that job, you might as well amp up the atmosphere. Good on you. 
Yeah. They did it in the playoffs. It was a bit sketchy, but I think they've got it down pat. Like, and, and the home, yeah. the home arenas have home chants, so like you can yeah. send in your own chants and stuff, and they play it over, uh, over the speakers. And at the AAHF, the Junior World Champs, they had um, people sending in like Zoom links, and they they were web, uh, webcamming from their lounge rooms while they're watching their game, and that'd go up during breaks in the game so players could see that. Mm, yeah, to do but, that football too. It's good, isn't yeah. it? Detroit's yeah. got this... It's good moneymaker, I think, as well, because if they did that to subscribers or members yes. of their club, like special clubs, like, you know... I know a lot of people scoff at it and say it's not the same as the real thing, but we can't have the real thing, so let's make it fun. And it's better than it just being a, a deathly silence in a ground, oh. like in a rink. So that was a segue to something I was just about to bring up. I subscribed to NHL TV for the first time this year. I finally found a mate to go Harvey's in it. Nice. And if, you, if you've never watched NHL TV, um, you probably have if you've streamed before. But in between, when there's a break, it's just a dead silent screen. Oh, yeah, we know. Of, that, and that's where we commercial sleep. Commercial break. Yeah, we and, sleep them. Yeah, and people yeah. are like, I can't get through an NHL game because... Literally, those periods where there's no music, there's nothing. It's just dead silent, ah. black and grey, and people no, are just... No, 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 no. you you got to wait, right? A little bit later on in the season, what happens with NHL TV is suddenly some adverts appear in that commercial break, specifically for NHL TV. But it's like the same advert played yeah. 20 times every commercial yes. break. So I've got to tell you, you way prefer silence and nothing with the guy cleaning the oh, ice. Because that I, is I at 2am when we shut our eyes and have a little nap in between like ad breaks. So wait till you hear Hockey Night in Canada. Or what, yeah. there was one of like, the little wobbly... You and everybody will yeah, know. Yeah, someone about was that. describing that one, and they're like, "We actually miss that." Like people saying, "I, I miss watching the weird adverts of the certain <laughs> place that the the." If someone said, "I didn't realize tire ads were so important in Canada," <laughs> they're talking about like snow <laughs> chains and stuff, and I was <laughs> yeah, like, their tires so all much the time." Hard. Yeah, so I was watching the other day and the game was back on for a minute and a half before I even realised it was back on. And there was sound and stuff, there was sound and stuff going, but I'd been so lulled into just nothing. I was on my phone, I was like, what's that noise? Oh, hockey's back, yeah, okay, let's go. I mean, one of the good things here has been we've had 5pm games, um, UK time, like at the weekend, which is brilliant, right? It's a great way to finish the weekend. The Leafs Leafs are on at 9pm on Sunday. I heard. 9pm UK time. Anybody can watch that. It's on free sports. 9pm. I actually need to write that in my diary. Um, Let's just come back to... uh, some of the divisions then. So North Division, this fight for fourth, as I as I call this title, um, Oilers and Jets, okay, are like the, the fight for fourth. Oilers are at 55% chance of getting in the playoffs. Jets at 49%. Um, Oilers are in big trouble at the moment. Their goalie, Mike Smith, ah. is injured. Um, and it looks like they're trying to bring in people from California, from Austria. I mean, that just sounds like a lot of quarantining. Um, quarantining? Quarantining. What is the quarantining? This, this is new territory Quarantai. for me. Um, and then Jets. I just, I was just reading about, um, obviously, they'd had 
a couple of people, uh, did, I don't know if they like tested positive or there were some concerns about COVID happening there, but it seems to have gone away. It hasn't affected their games because they turned up and played at Toronto. But then Patrick Liney... <laughs> well, it Liney, kind of didn't affect the game because they were rubbish. But anyway. <laughs> Patrick Liney has got an upper body injury. Um, so already... From carrying Jets the team. It's, and- yeah, it's from actually punching. Did you see him <laughs> drop the gloves in their first game? Patrick Line dropped the gloves for a team he doesn't even want to be on. Unbelievable. Well, maybe maybe that's just him getting his frustration out. That was his upper body injury. Bill <laughs> yeah. Larkin dropped his gloves against Zakwarensky and they're like best mates. Really? Yeah. Oh, one of the, one of the calls two talking fights about at the same time and Anthony Mantha wasn't in there because he's been given a direct instruction from Eisman, do not fight this year <laughs> because he's their best player and he's always injured. And like um, Toronto last year, he got injured when... Um, yeah, he did, yeah. Muzzin? No, was it Muzzin? Probably uh, Jake Muzzin. Must yeah, be easy anyone who fights. Yeah, yeah. They, they went to each other and he was out for pretty much the rest of the season. So you had Tyler Bertuzzi fighting, Dylan Larkin fighting and Anthony Mantha wasn't there. People were like, where's Anthony Mantha? He's always in these things. Get in there. But he, he was standing back just watching them fight. And Talking about that North Division and fighting, there was a, I do wonder whether the Kachucks will have a, have a little uh, fight as, uh, as brothers on the uh, Sens and the Flames. I do wonder whether over nine games, whether they will be able to resist the temptation to drop the gloves at some fight point. Each other. When, when you yeah. said Mike Smith's out from Edmonton, when I first saw that on Twitter, my first tweet back was, well, this is obviously an advantage for Edmonton. Yeah, I was thinking that. I was thinking, oh, what's so bad? So well, the Mike problem is for them is like they got like they got Koskinen, haven't they? Who yeah, is okay, but um, I put out my the... my rankings and I had them finishing sixth out of seven. I don't care how many goals they score; they're going to lose eight, seven, nine, six because they got no goalies. They're like Chicago. There's just so you're sa- so you're saying, Claire, the race for fourth in the north. So you're assuming then that Toronto, Montreal, and Calgary make it. They're my top three. Uh, That's how I had it. This is Toronto, not my Calgary, predictions. Montreal. This is the athletics predictions. Um, right. But I thought, you know, based on the amount of analysis they do compared to me, uh, yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. it was a better, more reliable. I'm align your views with that, Claire. I think that's pretty safe. <laughs> <laughs> um, Calgary sit at third, 80%. Montreal, 87%. Toronto, 94%. I do yeah. often wonder why people put so much faith in Toronto Maple Leafs, but, you know. Um, They're legit this year. They're yeah, legit. they are. I think. Did you see it in that first game against the Sens? We're legit. The thing, <laughs> the thing that is working with the Leafs. If you enjoy watching skilled hockey, it is yeah. the playmaker that is Mitch Marner, who does these insane back passes to Matthews because he just knows without looking where he is on the ice. You know, we've got Nylander up there as well. We've got Wayne Simmons who just gets in the face with his ass in front of the goalie, who's doing his job and just blocking the sight of the goalie. It's it's like a ass. recipe for like beautifulness. It's just oh so we've good. got to mention what, Jumbo what, Joe. I was oh I was just gonna say John Campbell actually as a backup seems to be all right. Jack Campbell. Jack, Jack Campbell. Campbell. Get, his, get his name right. Jack he's Campbell. a legend. Sorry. He's gonna be. He's gonna be the Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, we having someone like Joe Thornton, seeing him score that goal, um, I really liked. He scored the goal the other night, and uh, Matthews and Marner had that incredible. Uh, who'd have thought as well? Joe Thornton would be on the top line with Matthews and Marner anyway. 
Um, and he scores this goal and he's all really happy and he's hugging and he's asked after the game, said, oh, you're the... Uh, you know, second oldest player to score for the Toronto mm. Maple Leafs. And I loved his response was, he said, well, seems like I've got to play for a good few more years yet. And I'm like, yes, you have, Joe. Yes, you have. That's yeah. the attitude. That's what we want. I mean, One, Ray- one thing, Ray- just to segue from that um, point, just because I thought it was interesting, was Jason Spezza, who's another one of those kind of, you know, legends yeah. of the game, um, got waived at, uh, by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hasn't missed a game yet, but he got waived. And um, it sent, obviously, Leafs Nation into a tailspin, which doesn't oh. take much. Um, but uh, he got waived so he could go on to the taxi squad. However, he hasn't actually gone on to the taxi squad. He has played every single game. And one of the interesting things about that waving was that they waved Jason Spezza and Arundel, the third goaltender. They didn't want to wave Arundel because exactly what they thought would happen. He got claimed and he's now a New Jersey devil, or he will be once he's cleared quarantine. However, the interesting thing with Jason Spezza is his agent, and he said this, well, Jason mm. Spezza said this in the offseason, but his agent basically said, if anybody claims him, he's just going to retire. <laughs> he's literally going to retire if somebody claims him off waivers. So, of course, he clears waivers. He's back in the, the team for the game the other night against Winnipeg. He's off the team at the moment, so he's on the taxi squad. And the reason why that is is because it saves the Leafs about $6,000 a day, day. right, in cap, so that they have that, so that when the likes of Nick Robinson is injured and all this kind of stuff, it means they don't have to put him on LTIR. They can just keep him going and they can bring players in from the taxi squad or waiver-exempt players. So they can now do that for something like the next 30 days. But presumably, why would anyone claim Jason Spezza? Because... Yeah, all right. It would be a, a stick it to the Leafs. However, you'd be pra- you'd basically ending a man's career because <laughs> he's openly said, "I'm not playing. I wouldn't I'm report playing. to the team." Fascinating. I even stuff. said if he got picked, he could retire, and then that would allow him to redo a contract with Toronto. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah, so and no, no one's going to. No one was going to claim him anyway. Honestly, no, of course not. Like, and uh, but, like Louis but interesting from Vancouver, like, uh, yeah. yeah and no, no what's interesting though is whether more players will do that, particularly with the Canadian American kind of difference this year, because you've got a two-week quarantine at the moment if you mm. go into Canada from the states. But also, if you're in Canada at the moment, which is a relatively COVID-safe country in the grand scheme of things, certainly compared to parts of the states. Imagine if you get claimed by a Florida or a Tampa or a, a team with insane COVID rates and are you going to want to go? Then I don't know. But then, of course, not everyone's Jason Spetzer in a position to be able to just say, well, I'll retire. You can't really do that mm-hmm. in a 23-year-old. <laughs> but interesting. just And the fact that, you know, a team has to work out the cap in a way that $6,000 a day to the Toronto Maple Leafs makes a difference is mind-blowing to me. Just you, you highlighted about Keith Yandel as well and Florida Panthers. Yeah. I mean, whoo, well, it's, it's hanging on in there, people. Yeah, I mean, it was I a, load of a good streak, don't you? Yeah. I mean, I am so competitive. Like, I am, I'm on like 709 day streak for like headspace meditation right now. If I drop that streak, <laughs> I will be so angry. So I could imagine 867 game streak. I would be pretty annoyed if it dropped. I got him. I got him off waivers just in time for his goal game for fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Someone, uh, someone dropped him, and uh, Sean Couturier 
I know. Well, it looked. I mean, Keith Yandel looked like he was down and out from the, from the Panthers. It all was yeah. looking wrong for him, and he was looking like he was going to be the one that they made as a bit of a scapegoat for the team, as a bit of an example of look, we are not messing here. We will we will ruin this guy's Ironman streak. And I was listening to Thirty One Thought. Uh, thir- oh God, Thirty One Thoughts earlier. Easier said than done. Yeah. Um, and they were talking about it and they were saying how Jeff Merrick, one of the co-hosts on there, was saying how even he didn't really understand and realise how important how many games, how many NHL games played is to players. And Ironman streaks are something that players see as absolutely sacred. And they, you know, Elliot Friedman was saying on that podcast, he was saying he he believes to the best of his knowledge that the reason why Keith Yandel made that opening night roster for the um, for the Panthers was that the players in the end went to either Quenville or ownership and said, look, you know, we, uh, you, we don't want to ruin this. We want him on our team and we want him to continue that. He rewards them with a goal and you think, well, that means he will then obviously stay in the team. But it's fascinating because I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't know of another sport that has this same kind of obsession and kind of thing about the number of games played and an Ironman streak. Like it's a, it's a, it's a really hockey thing to me, unless there are other sports that I just aren't aware of. I think, I think it'd be in other sports. I think it's a player's thing. I don't think it's something that'd get out. It's not really a story that the media would really make a big deal of, I guess, um, mm. unless they're playing the most games in that league's history or whatever. But I could see it being sacred to the players. I think this is a management thing as well, because as soon as he was in the team, he ended up playing on the first power play unit um, yeah. with Ekblad. They're one of the few teams that have two defenders on the top unit. And so you should, Quenville's like, I want to win games, and he's going to give us the best chance to win games. Uh, on your north standings there, Claire, on the athletic, I posted mine a few days ago. I'm just interested. They've got Edmonton and Winnipeg above Vancouver for that fourth spot. Mm, um, it's not the way it started. I mean, Vancouver have had a really, really poor start. Of course, uh, yeah. I, I had Vancouver at fourth only based on... There's also defence and goalies in hockey, not just goals. <laughs> and I know Edmonton's going to score a lot of goals, but they've got no defence, no um, goalkeeping. Winnipeg's got offence and goalkeeping, or half of it. And, you yeah, know, defence. But Vancouver hasn't looked good. Um no, we need to reach out to oh. Andy, the Vancouver Canucks fan, and see how he's it's feeling right now. only one week in. Well, it, three, yeah, three games in. It yeah. is. And, you know, we can't say 2%. I mean, we can just say that um, 2%. <laughs> the wor- the worry that one's with, wide open, that, that fourth position. The worry with Vancouver is that they, uh, they overachieved in the playoffs last year and expectations will be a little higher. And... I think the biggest worry is that Elias Pettersson just doesn't seem to be at it this year so far. Also um, been fine today, didn't he? Yeah, he got mm. fined for slashing, uh, slashing. Flames player, which I mean, I'm sure he can afford at. it. But yeah. um, JT Miller mean, hasn't played yet. Um, yeah. So let's have and a also look. Holby's a big question as well for them. Like, what's he going to be? And Demko is is an unknown, even though he's unreal in the playoffs. But. I was just going to say, I love the, I love the fact. Edmonton came second best in signing Markstrom. And you're like, oh, wouldn't that be handy right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I was just going to say um, week two. Oh, actually, we, we haven't even mentioned the East. Um, oh, East, this that, is that fourth, The fourth place um, for East Division. 
you know, between Washington Capitals, New York Islanders and New York Rangers, that's who they kind of put as the, they're pretty close, really. Um, yeah. 57%, 45%, 44%. I mean, what was really interesting um, games of note, I suppose, this week was the two games of New York Islanders, New York Rangers. <laughs> one was a 4 nil, one was a 5 nil. They yeah. turned it around. I mean, Barry Trott saying we were junk um, after they the were. Islanders got shut out. Yeah. And then New York Rangers, well, Kako was they, him and somebody else were demoted in their practice. And they, they keep talking about this like kind of characteristic that they want to be tough to play against. Um, and just reading again, articles. I mean, we have loads of people who are New York Rangers fans who listen to this podcast. So you give us your exact thoughts, but from what I understand that there isn't necessarily all the toughness and grit, but it's on its way. Um, and that's why they keep kind of coming back to this phrase, tough to play against. But really, it kind of seems like, I mean, Capitals, once Ovechkin got his goal, it took him, what, three games to finally score. Um, they're kind of, their season started, as they say. But that's, I wouldn't necessarily have had Capitals, New York Islanders, New York Rangers pitted against each other, really. No, no. It's and the tightest what, division. Yeah, but it is. I think, one, two, three. The top six there, Rangers, Islanders, Capitals, Penguins, Flyers, Bruins, um, will all beat each other through the season. They're all about – I feel sorry for Buffalo. They did yeah. so much good work in the off-season. But Buffalo they, beat they Philadelphia did. Flyers, absolutely yeah. throttled them, and Carter Hart got pulled when they were 4-0. Four, four right. so. That's going to happen when you got Eichel and Hall. It's going to happen every now and then. But they yeah. – if they if the divisions had stayed the same, they were a playoff team or very close to it because they would have had Detroit and that's enough. Um, but <laughs> in, in this division, them and New Jersey are gonna woof woof. Something that something so, that's interesting though in this division that I don't think men I don't think many people predicted. Although I did hear it on a couple of preview podcasts before the season started. Boston Boston aren't great. Like. I mean, it, it pains me to say so. Like, you know, I always love to see Boston do well, but Boston aren't oh, yeah. the... <laughs> not at all. Can't wait to see them plummet. Um, Boston aren't, or don't seem anyway, to be the team that they were. And I've heard for the first time that this is kind of might be leading towards the end of the kind of this Boston Bruins team as they are. And... With Zdeno Chara leaving, which I know he wasn't a huge part, he was huge, obviously, but he wasn't a, a huge part of the team in terms of how much he contributed towards the end of his career. But he's a huge kind of part of the identity of that mm. Bruins team. And for him to go in the way that he did to uh, to the Caps and and they just, I don't know, I, I think that makes the East even more interesting because they, before the season, would have been a lock-in to get into probably maybe first, second in that division. Yeah. But actually now I don't think, I think they're in that middle pack that could be anything. And as you said, the New York teams, I mean, Shesterkin, the New York Rangers goaltender on that opening night looked awful. Like, And this is the guy who is in the opening night roster for the Rangers and is the first one to do that in something like 40 years because Henrik Lundqvist has done it every year for the last however many years. And, you know, this is the guy that you decided to go with. Luckily for them, Gorgiev came back the next night and was very good and got a shutout and all that kind of stuff. 
But that division, I mean, you've got currently, I know it's way too early to look at divisions, but Pittsburgh are bottom and they've not looked great either. You know, Tristan Jari's had a terrible start yeah. goaltending wise. Mm. You've got suddenly you've got an entire division with questionable goaltending. Like Carter Hart getting pulled, as you said the other night. You can literally go through that entire division and put question marks over their goaltending almost for every single team. And it's it's going to be an absolute bloodbath, that division, because you've got so, Pittsburgh, you've got the Pittsburgh-Philadelphia rivalry, you've got the New York rivalry, you've got Boston versus all of the teams that they've got rivalries with. It's going to be fascinating. So my, I gotta, I'm going to almost completely disagree with not everything you said, but with, with regards right. to that. Wouldn't division. be the first time. <laughs> no, I'm not worried about Boston at all. Pasternak hasn't come back and they've got the best goalie tandem in that division. They'll, they'll, to me, they'll top it, not easily, but comfortably when they get clicking. A very random stat, it's only them and the Dallas Stars who haven't scored a goal um, five on five yet this season. And the fact that Dallas <laughs> hasn't played yet um, doesn't help. Oh, but... I picked that whole division based on goaltending only because I had Boston one, Washington two, Philadelphia three, Islanders four. I got Pittsburgh missing out just because of Jari um, and the fact that after the top two lines, Rangers I haven't got in there, even though they've got two good goaltenders and they'll come, uh, Shesterkin will come back because look at Sorokin from the yeah, Islanders got blown out in his first yeah. game and he's come over with huge expectation. But Halak and um, Tuka Rass for Boston, um, Samsonov for Washington, and their young guy who's starting again today, Verikak or something. His first game out of nowhere looked really good. Are you talking uh, about was, the Washington not, not backup Vor- goal? Voracek. Not no, Voracek. no, the Washington backup goal. It's a bit similar name. Uh, uh, sorry, Vanacek. Vitek Vanacek. Is the backup goalie for Washington, and he actually looks really good. But they were banking on the fact that Henrik Lundqvist would be with the Caps. Yeah, whether he was going to be there. That's the when I did the projections. Yeah, and yeah. Islanders have got yeah Sorokin and um, Varlamov, who's looked really good. Yeah, but I just yeah Rangers don't have enough defense, and Pittsburgh don't have the the goalkeeping. I think Boston's going to take time to click because they lost Tory Krug. Matt Greslick has moved yeah. up. He's going to be fine. And once Pasternak's back, yeah, I'm not worried about them. I I think this division, you have to have goaltending to... Mm, I would love to hear through. from fans of the East Division teams respond to Adam's claims. Please send hate mail to... Mm. No, I'm kidding. Send messages no, to no, I don't mind. NHL fans from afar. I would very right. much... He, he, Adam was saying very nice things about some of those teams in the East. I think it's me who would get most of the heat, basically saying, ah, oh, it's going to be a bloodbath. Just, you know, oh, it will be. They, they'll beat up on each other. I. Yeah. But to me, that's the hardest division to play in out of the four. Um, yeah. Just because the, it's... They're heavy teams to play against. Yeah, there is I'm... no one, apart from New Jersey, there is no one you would guarantee that is going to miss out on those playoffs. I wouldn't Buffalo. even go as far as Buffalo. I, you can't bet against Eichel and Hall. I know you're right in saying that they're not going to do enough and they can't carry an entire team, but they might do enough if you know a couple of other teams get banged up and they've got the skill to do it. We've seen teams go on less and yeah, have true. a sneaky little run into the playoffs. I'm not saying they're going far, but... <laughs> just a couple of little stories just to, to round up as it's been like just over an hour that we've been talking. 
Wow. Uh, who'd have thought that on week two or week one of the uh, season? Um, I mentioned there the Jacob Voracek thing yes. because we were all Googling Flyers reporter Mike. I, I tweeted that saying, who else Googled it? Because it was trending. Um, I mean, in his like post-game interview, he just really spat at this reporter, didn't he? Like, well, what's oh, yeah. the point? In, it doesn't matter what I say. You're going to print anything anyway. Um, and I was like trying to to work out what on earth did he say? And it sounds like the the kind of spat between them has been going on for a, a number of years. Like five years ago, he put the flyers are collapsing. It's Jake Voracek's fault, my column or something like that. Um, but apparently Mike has come back and said that any of his comments were in jest, but clearly touched a nerve. I mean, and then it was interesting hearing some of the panels talk about times like Elliot Friedman, Brian Burke talking in response to this on Hockey Night in Canada when they had uh, made a call and then the next day or straight after the game, um, you know, a player had come up to them and given them a load of grief and how actually as a reporter, you just need to be, uh, you know, able to deal with that. But I guess with Zoom, it's a bit different because people aren't... Mm. Like you're not able to, kind of, there's not that kind of scrum. I mean, it's probably different in Toronto. It really is a media scrum. There's about 50 microphones thrust in your face. So if you've had a bad game and then you've got 50 phones thrust under your nostrils, you probably get a snap, even though they don't. But yeah, I mean, I, I saw that and I just laughed. Well, you, say, you say they don't. Matthews did with Steve Simmons over because of the whole COVID thing and reporting way back when that um, Matthews had COVID. This was way back before everybody had it. And uh, he snapped on a on a similar thing on a Zoom call, so basically saying, you know, I, I don't really want to answer a question from you and all that kind of stuff. And I do wonder whether giving players the distance of Zoom gives them a bit more of a feeling of being able to do it. But we've seen it. I mean, all you need to do is go onto YouTube and type in like um, kind of funny locker room interactions in the NHL, and you get some cracking like responses. Phil Kessel was a master at having a little uh, locker room. In inverted John Tortorello. Reporters. Yeah, oh, I mean, John Tortorello, yes. Yeah, John Tortorello. There, there are reels on YouTube where you can watch like 10, 20 minutes of him just going for reporters. I mean... Have you yeah. seen that seven-minute one that's like remixed to Daft Punk music? Yeah. <laughs> I have that's not. So I will good. be giggling that. Frank, Frank Ciravelli uh, retweeted, I think. It's been like... Yeah. Uh, a seven year sorry it's a two minute thing i think it's a seven year anniversary it's absolutely brilliant I, I think we, the jake voracek one you're talking about after a bad game you have all these reporters he'd scored two points in that game travis connectney who's sitting next to him had scored a hat trick um they'd won the game and he just absolutely roasts this reporter and basically it looks as though it, it's stemming from a 2019 story um, where who, who's their coach came from Montreal? Oh, far out! Really, one of the most famous coaches and really good. Oh, um, oh my gosh! Elaine uh, Vignong. Yes. Um, yeah, they were talking about. It was a story about how he was saying last year Claude Drew and Jacob Voracek weren't doing enough, and they needed to get more out of him. And Voracek was laughing while Vigneault was talking. That's what this whole story is based on. And the the journalist sources were that he just knows. That was pretty much the basis of his claims. And yeah, yeah Voracek just roasted him, and 
I love it how he roasts him, answers the question, and then finishes by saying, I wasn't going to answer this question because you're such a yeah. weasel. <laughs> Um, and, then, and then the next the next question goes to connect me and he's trying not to laugh and it's just because Voracek's just like oh yeah are we allowed to swear Claire I don't know I don't want to <laughs> um, it's a family podcast but yeah I yeah mean, true if you want to watch it there's a couple of swear words dropped and he's kind of he looks as though he's at the end of a really hard day of work. Not that they've just won, but you know, all of that yeah. is just the fact that he has to answer this guy's question. <laughs> just, it's, one, it's one, other, one other press conference thing that came out of the NHL last week that I absolutely loved, and I'm going to absolutely mash some player pronunciations here. Um, but uh, did you see the thing with the Colorado players? No. Nope. About the outdoor games? It was just beautiful. I just missed me. I like barely saw it. It was brought up on some clip thing I saw, and uh, it was Burakovsky saying that uh, basically telling to uh, is it um, Pierre Edouard Bellamere, yeah, Mavs player, yeah, yeah, uh, fourth liner. He was asked about. That's why I'm not sure there. And um, he was asked about the outdoor games. You know the ones played on the lake. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of stuff. He said uh, he was answering this question to a, a reporter, and he was saying oh man, it's going to be so cool, like, to actually, you know, it's all what all kids grow up doing, like, we all, you know, go out skating on the lake, and, you know, it's going to be incredible to actually play a, a game of NHL ice hockey on a, on a lake, and his teammate next to him, Borovsky, just basically turns to him and goes, you know, we're not actually on the lake, right? And you can see his face, he just goes, what? Uh. No way! And Borovsky goes, yeah, yeah, we're on, like, the golf course next to the lake. <laughs> And Bellamy's just like, oh man, like oh. genuinely gutted. And you could see on his face, just actually devastated because he thought this NHL game was going to be actually played on a lake. Oh. Which, I mean, hey, the NHL's come up with some wacky ideas, but that would really be crazy. But uh, I mean, it's going to be stunning. It's going to be on a golf course overlooking the lake. But he was devastated that oh. he was actually not going to get to play on the lake. And it was so funny. <laughs> It's just like right. this wide-eyed kind of, oh, come on. I want, Jolon, I want you to send the tweet that has any kind of video showing that. Yeah, yeah, Adam, I will, yeah I'll do it I, now. Adam, I want you to share that video with the Tortorello Daft Punk. And the one oh, that okay. I will share will be, um, I put this question of um, why a lady called Angelique Fong has been named the 21st Anaheim Duck. So she's been a fan of the Duck since 1999. Uh, she has survived uh, breast cancer twice um, and has been uh, working as a counsellor to first-time breast cancer patients. And basically she got picked up by the Ducks as this kind of thing they do with fans every year um, to kind of bring in a uh, you know, a member of the public, a fan, to be the 21st Duck. And on a Zoom call, she basically kind of got Zoom bombed by Ryan Getzlaff. Uh, and apparently afterwards, oh. she called her mom, who's also a big fan, and said, you'll never guess who just Zoom bombed me. Uh, so it was like a really nice story. So I will sh I will tweet that because sometimes you need like a good oh, pick brilliant. me up. Right. So there's three stories that we're going to share on our Twitter at NHL fans from afar. Every week we uh, have a little think about some of the questions, some of the talking points. So if you want to get involved in the interaction, then come join us on Twitter. It's probably the easiest, best place to to reach us, either by DM or comments. Uh, any final words, um, boys, before we I round just, things up? 
Oh, this, this is just personal for me. This is brilliant. Um, we've got a pros, pros, no, he's not a prospect anymore. He's on our squad. Um, Philip Zadina, who we slipped to us uh, in the 2018 draft at six. Uh, had injuries and stuff. Really talented, really fast. But Jasperi Kotikniemi from Montreal was picked after him. And there's just been this thing from Habs towards Detroit about how Zadina's a boss and he's been injured and all this sort of stuff. And we should have picked Koka Kinyemi instead. He just got um, waved down to the taxi squad in Montreal. Uh, Koka Kinyemi. So that's, that's just, that just made my day. Koka Kinyemi um, got waved. Yeah. He's so, well, <sighs> Montreal fans come at me, but we'll take Zadina over him any day. If you've seen what Zadina's looked like the first three games, um, playing top line in the Austrian league when he got loaned over there before the NHL season started. Uh, yeah, Zadina's not going to get dropped anytime soon. Oh, that's just that's just. You um, could have a lot of fun if you if you were a GM with a bit of cap space. You could really mess some teams up. Oh, he, he won't. He, he won't be. Just... He won't be way. He'll be waiver exempt still. I would say. Um, so no one's going to be able to pick him up, but it's just the fact oh, that right, he's, okay, fine. It, it might, it might just be a salary dump. I don't know. But... Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Yeah. Nice. Oh, that's oh. still, it's so good to see. I, um, no, I, I don't think the only thing, um, the only thing I thought I'd mentioned for any Leafs fans listening while Claire, you said it was all rosy and yeah. Okay. The standings are good now, but over the weekend, that, uh, double, game against the Sens was really the epitome of being a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, wasn't it? We oh, had yeah. a loss to a team that we should have absolutely pummeled. The rebound the following night from the line that basically didn't show up in the night before. We had Freddie Anderson showing that he's the worst goaltender in the NHL, closely followed by Jack Campbell showing us why he should be the number one goaltender instead of Freddie Anderson. Then two nights later, Freddie Anderson showing us exactly why he is actually a good goaltender and a number one goaltender and Jack Campbell should be on the bench. And Leafs fans went from, this is great, good start against Montreal. The season's over. We might as well just give up now against the Sens. Oh, actually, no, it's all right. We righted the wrong. And then we absolutely pummeled Winnipeg all in four days. I mean, this season is going to be condensed in so many ways that the Leafs' emotions and fans' emotions are going to be yeah. condensed. It's all going to be fun to see how we can cope. Well, next if week... If you're not a Maple Leafs fan, your team's had a bad day, just jump on their Twitter. It's, <laughs> it's beautiful. We've... It's so good. Like, Leafs... Austin Matthews in any other team yeah. would be... He's put on a pedestal by Leafs fans, but he's taken off that pedestal and put back on... On a daily Damn right basis, like. Damn right. Yeah, no, he is. Oh, at least Twitter is a, is a fun place to be. Just hockey Twitter is a fun place hockey to be. Twitter, so yeah. I look forward um, next week to talking again to Matt Day to find out what it's like when his team finally turns up on ice and play some down. games. Imagine that. We're, eh? we're also going to speak, yeah, unbeaten. Uh, we're also going to speak to James as well, who's now a Zona Coyotes fan. Um, we're going to speak to him at some point in the next couple of weeks. So maybe yeah. he'll be able to give us a bit more insight into the West as well. Mm, brilliant. Thanks so much, Adam. Uh, I hope you have no a worries. great morning slash first day at work. <laughs> Whatever yeah. the term is. Um, yeah, and uh, hopefully maybe you can go past 2%. The only way is up, right? We're on the way up. Watch out in five <laughs> Not years. Not too far. Not too far, <laughs> though. Yeah. Have a great week, whatever you get up to. Enjoy some early hockey games if you're in the UK or Europe. Uh, we'll be back next week. <laughs>